This show is for every woman who has accepted pain and discomfort as inherent to being a woman, or who has denied any part of themselves to make it or feel accepted. Women of reproductive age have been left out of a lot of research because our bodies and our hormones are considered too complicated. What is worse is this idea trickles down to education, leaving most women with very little information about how their bodies work. Not only are we not taught how our bodies work, but once you start asking questions, it is surprisingly difficult to find answers. I believe that every woman deserves to know how her body works, to recognize when symptoms arise, and to feel confident in her inner voice. Because the pain, the mood swings, and the hormones are not your problem. They're your body's messengers. I am here to confront and change narratives around being a woman, being hormonal, and yes, PMSing. I'm your host, Brianna Villegas, and welcome to My Hormone Rants. I'm so excited to share with you a conversation that I had with another PMDD advocate today. Her name is Melissa Sue from Yoga for PMDD, and her content is so relatable, and she's just such an empathetic human being who is taking you know her own experience with PMDD and the suffering that she went through and the lessons that she learned along the way to then give back and create such a welcoming and supportive PMD community for other people with PMDD. We cover so many awesome topics in this episode, including the journey to getting a formal diagnosis and the role of viewing PMDD as an identity versus it being you know an experience that you have, as well as the role of therapeutic yoga in helping women to both manage manage their symptoms, but also find that healing and and way back to their inner selves. As part of the discussion, Melissa references some resources that helped her in getting a diagnosis, and I will share the links to that as well as how you can connect with Melissa in the show notes. With that, let's jump in. Welcome, Melissa. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Of course, I'm excited too. And when I was thinking about highlighting someone from the PMD community during April for PMD Awareness Month, I immediately thought of you. I really appreciate your content so much and the way that it's so relatable to the PMD community, like the good, the bad, the ugly, without getting like stuck in the misery that PMDD can be. So I really appreciate what you bring to the community in that aspect. Oh, thank you so much. That's so meaningful because I do sometimes feel like I'm not a social media marketer. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I don't have a specific content plan, but I'd want to bring some humor to a subject that's pretty dark. And the fact that you consider it relatable, that's so amazing because I I really want people to feel like they're understood when they come to my Instagram page. I love that. And I, I definitely see that of like, I can see the different parts of my journey in like the reels that you share of like, okay, I've definitely been there and maybe I've come further than that place, or maybe I find myself falling back into certain places. And so it, I think you can really connect with people on so many parts of their journey. And so I'd really like to start with hearing more about your journey and kind of how you went from like PMD sufferer to PMD warrior and advocate and what you do now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I will start by saying that like, I feel cyclical, like kind of in every way. So sometimes I do still suffer from PMDD. I I wouldn't pretend like I'm having a, a perfect experience because, you know, stuff comes up, things can be stressful, but in general, I feel like my PMDD is fairly managed right now, which is part of the reason I am so passionately advocating and trying to support other PMDD folks on their journey, because I do know personally how much we can suffer. So I myself uh, was on birth control for a very long time. 
I was a late bloomer. So I started menstruating at 15 and was like very quickly put on birth control and didn't come off of it until my mid twenties. And then when I came off, I fairly immediately started having PMDD symptoms. Of course, at that time, I didn't know that's what was going on. So I really thought that I was going insane. Like I thought that I was some sort of like demonic monster and I was having huge blow up fights with my partner at the time. And they actually happened like clockwork, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with the onset of luteal, which at the time I did not know this, but with the onset of luteal, like my tolerance for so many things just plummeted. Um, and I was very rageful. I was very fortunate to have a student of mine because I was teaching yoga already at that time. As I was telling her about what was going on, she was kind of like, well, it sounds sort of cyclical. Have you thought about tracking your menstrual cycle and kind of seeing if there's a pattern there? And I was like, no, I didn't really think about my menstrual cycle at all. And so I had like started tracking for just a couple months. And around that period, one of my closest friends was sharing that she had been diagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And so I had no idea what that was. And she started to explain it to me. And as she's listing off all of the symptoms that I've been experiencing, fireworks were like literally going off in my brain. I, I was stunned because I didn't know there was a name for what I was going through. I was really pretty sure like that's what's going on with me. However, because in the U.S., not everyone has access to healthcare, and at that time, the state that I was in didn't have any like Medicare or Medicaid expansion, so I just didn't pursue a formal diagnosis. I felt like there's probably nothing that could be done. No, no one could really help me anyway, and so I used what I had available to me, which at that time was yoga. And so I started to develop just some practices um, and, you know, routines, like ritual ways of being that helped me to manage a little bit better. And I did pretty well, honestly, until I moved to a different state in 2018. And I took like a real job, (laughs) not teaching yoga, that is. And my symptoms came back with a vengeance Mm -hmm. and I pretty quickly realized that it probably was not sustainable for me to just manage on my own. And it was in December of 2020 that I decided to formally get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So I used all of the resources available on the IAPMD.org website, filled out the worksheet. Mm -hmm. And, um, really I did a little research ahead of time to make sure that the OBGYN I was going to knew about PMDD brought this worksheet. And basically, you know, the first part where like, you're talking to the nurse and giving them your information. I was like, so upset that it was like, kind of finally happening, happening that I couldn't even speak. I just like gave her my worksheet. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it had everything and I had, you know, years and years of data. So once I actually met with uh, my OBGYN, she was like, yeah, this is like, (laughs) it couldn't be much more obvious that this is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Mm -hmm. So, um, I left with a diagnosis and, um, I also left with a, um, Zoloft prescription. So I started an SSRI. So I have been 
continuing to use an SSRI as well as my skills as a yoga therapist to manage my PMDD. That's it's such a saga. It's <laughs> like the, the journey to getting a diagnosis and all of that's entailed in managing it. I, my journey is a little bit different, but like, I so relate to that part of it. It's like, and then this happened. And then that one person said this and just the yeah. way that that develops. And I mean, I have lots of questions, uh, but first, can you go into a little bit more detail about what the diagnosis process was for you or like what helped pre-diagnosis versus post? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, one of the first times that I did try to get a diagnosis was when I didn't have health insurance. And so I had gone to a Planned Parenthood to get a PAP. And I mentioned to the nurse practitioner that did my, my annual that, you know, I, I felt like there was something really wrong with how I fluctuated through my cycle. At that moment, they were kind of like, eh, you know, a lot of women have PMS, you know, you might just be in a super stressful situation. Like it was just kind of like Mm -hmm. dismissed and written off. So I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But for me, part of the reason I really felt like I needed that formal diagnosis is because I would gaslight myself pretty bad. I don't always have bad months. And I'm sure people can relate if they have PMDD that like, sometimes you have better months than others. And it's sort of like, there's not really any rhyme or reason. I know some people do suffer every month. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, in some of my friend circles of people who also have PMDD, they say, you know, sometimes it is just a little bit better for who knows why, you know, maybe it's just a less stressful month. Maybe you just slept better that whole month. Who knows? Mm But I would pretend like when I was fine or in like the better parts of my cycle, like there wasn't this thing coming. And so I would almost get when I was struggling really bad. I'd be like, why am I struggling so much? Like, why Mm -hmm. is this so hard? And so having the like stamp from a doctor, a medical professional to say like, yes, what you're experiencing is this diagnosed thing that's that's in the DSM-5. Like we can kind of point to you know, the data that you have collected through your tracking and, and say, you know, there's a pattern here. And it, it just sort of helped me to know it to be true for myself. I think it helped my partner too. So when I am gaslighting myself or having a hard time, like understanding why I'm suffering so much, they can kind of gently remind me like, Hey, probably PMDD, like, where are you in your cycle? Mm-hmm. So it just sort of helped me to take myself more seriously and take my own wellness more seriously. Um, not to say that I didn't ahead of time, but I, I think there was always like this question of like, am I making it up? Am I just like a complainer? Am I just not working hard enough? Like, am I just not enough? You know, I, I just would really kind of like punish myself for what I thought I should be. Mm-hmm. And having the diagnosis helps me a little bit more to except that there are just going to be times where I'm not as capable of what I may wish to be, that it, that it's okay to rest more. Or it's okay to take things a little bit slower um, or it's okay to just try to be more self-compassionate. Yeah. I think that's so just beautiful to think of it that way. And, you know, it wasn't the prescription, like that wasn't the biggest takeaway for you. And I think that's also validating that like mental health piece and the validation that comes with something like that. I felt like I had that a little bit with just like knowing that this existed. And, you know, I found like a worksheet online and 
also I had been dealing with it since like my first period. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I have years of this all fitting into place. Yeah. Um, but I have noticed that like on my journey of like managing my symptoms and when I have a really good month, sometimes I'll gaslight myself that I ever had it in the first yeah. place yeah. and just like, see how that, like, no matter where you're at, like your brain can just like play these tricks on you. Um, mm-hmm. and my partner has been super helpful in that process too, of being like, no, remember those times where you would like, especially when we have a young kid. So like when our first was born and he would, I guess the first month, sometimes they cry and it's yeah. like, you've done everything, but they're just crying. Yeah. He's like, and you know how you would like sit on the floor covering your ears. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like these things aren't normal. And, and it's weird being the person versus seeing it happen too. like, oh, right. Like from an outside perspective, that would be really disturbing. Like that's not normal behavior. And so sometimes having that outside perspective can also like help validate, like, okay, you've come a long way from where you were, but it doesn't invalidate, you know, the, the whole experience. Totally, totally. And I, I super agree because I, I feel like having the formal diagnosis, it was like a lot easier to explain to people mm-hmm. and kind of destigmatize. Like, I kind of feel like for me, it just, opened up this whole new like window of opportunity of like, okay, I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. I can share with people that I've been struggling because I hit it. I mean, I'm a Pisces. And so Pisces kind of like are notoriously secretive about some stuff. <laughs> and I like, I was ashamed. Like I had, you know, kind of this persona, especially like I was a yoga teacher at a fairly mm-hmm. successful studio. I didn't want people to know that I was sometimes rageful or that I, you know, frequently pondered just not existing anymore. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. want people to know how hard I had to try to, like, I wanted to be perceived as kind of cool and, you know, that some stuff was effortless for me and it was not. And so being able to tell even just my mom and dad, you know, like, Hey, this is what goes on. And, you know, in my case, like I have a fairly large family. My parents are both the youngest of five. So I like messaged all of my female cousins and my aunts and like talked to my grandma that is still living and, you know, asked them like, Hey, what is your menstrual cycle? Like, like mine's really messed up and it, not the bleeding part, but just mm-hmm. like the, the cycle part itself, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it, it kind of like just created this permission. I'll say, you know, like it gave me this opportunity to really explore this thing and to kind of do what I'm doing now to, to share with people through like the content that I create and through the community that I have and, you know, just let myself be vulnerable because I have so much privilege in so many ways. Like I do have PMDD, but I'm very fortunate to, you know, be educated and to, you know, have like comfortable financial circumstances. And I, I should be doing some work to make this more normalized and destigmatize mental health and mood disorders. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like I've been on the same journey. I have also have a big family, lots of cousins and, and my mom, of course, is telling everyone to listen to my podcast and she's like handing it out, you know, like to all my aunts, (laughs) all my cousins, because she's like, everyone might have this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but it is getting that just awareness because more people have it than, than they realize. Or like you said, when people are like, oh, it could be PMS. And, and I've said it myself as a way to explain it, but talking about PMDD as, you know, severe PMS when like it kind of sets people up to believe that like what you're striving for is slightly 
slightly less rage and dysphoria and, you yeah, know, right. suicidal thoughts when it's like, right. no, that's not I would like zero of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or like we normalize these symptoms so much when like PMS or what we think of as PMS is more hormone balance lifestyle related that mm-hmm. you don't have to experience that. And then PMDD is this like added sensitivity to those hormones, you know, and, and kind of separating these. So it's not like, oh, well, I guess if my month was like a little less terrible, then that's normal. Right. Yeah, totally. And I mean, even with PMS, you know, like it's still something, someone's suffering, like Mm -hmm. we shouldn't have to suffer to be a cyclical person. Isn't like a death sentence or, you know, it shouldn't be required that if you menstruate, you have to have a painful existence. Like, Mm -hmm. I think personally that's bullshit, you know? So being able to have that conversation of like, you know, PMDD is really insanely difficult. And if you don't know that that's what's going on, that's even more challenging. And since I've started sharing my story a lot more, I feel like, you know, friends of mine have kind of come out of the woodwork of like, you know, I didn't realize that what I was experiencing was abnormal. Like I've mm-hmm. just been putting up with this and that, you know, this has just kind of been happening. Not to say that everyone has like realized they have PMTD, but, mm-hmm. you know, have just kind of shared a lot more about their cycle in general and their challenges around it, you know, whether it might be endometriosis or adenomyosis mm-hmm. or PCOS, just like normalizing this conversation about menstruation and being a cyclical being. Yeah, exactly. And how to support a cyclical body as well. Cause so many of these things are a lack of support. And when you get those things in place, like the, even if your symptoms aren't completely gone, like the experience changes so much and, and understanding that it's like, these are ways that our body tells us that things aren't right as well. And like, I think of my PMD now as like, I'll call them like flares (laughs) of like, okay. Cause now it's kind of more of a signal that I don't have as much support as I need or I'm stretching myself too thin. Like when I have a bad month, as opposed Mm -hmm. to this is my normal, you know, constant existence in a way. Yeah. I love that. That's so smart. But I want to ask you too, about how your yoga practice has changed. People's concept of yoga can be anything from, you know, trendy exercise to like a deep spiritual practice. So kind of where does PMD therapy fall maybe on that spectrum? Yeah, totally. Great question. Admittedly, I first came into yoga, like totally just wanting to get in shape. Um, I had taken some yoga in college and I remember the teacher was like very, very generous with us and basically it was like, if you want to come here and rest, like you're probably a way overstimulated college kid and you probably just need Shavasana. And so like I would, I would literally go to this like beautiful well-lit studio room and just like lay on the floor for an hour. And I remember thinking that that was awesome, but I didn't really like know why I was doing it or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm getting a credit for taking a nap. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) win-win. Yeah, totally. But I was like, you know, I, I remember asking the teacher like, oh, I have some pain between my shoulders. And she had shown me how to roll up a towel to place it in between my shoulder blades to just help open my chest. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I would never have thought of that. And so it wasn't until a few years later that um, I was working full time at a domestic violence shelter and I was experiencing a lot of panic attacks. And this was when my PMDD symptoms were 
starting to be their worst was Mm -hmm. also the same time I came off birth control and I had not put anything together that I had PMDD, but I was like, Oh, I remember that the yoga thing was pretty awesome. I used to be an athlete. Like it would probably be kind of nice to move my body. And so I signed up for a six week beginners yoga course. And I went to that first Mm -hmm. class and it was like something just mushroomed inside of me. Like I just had this like huge awakening of like, this is what I've been missing. And so after that class, I went home that night and I practiced a little bit more yoga. And then I woke up the next day and I practiced yoga and now it's been like a decade. I haven't stopped. (laughs) So But originally, like I wanted to be able to stand on my hands and I wanted to be as flexible as possible. I wanted to do all of the amazing, complicated yoga poses and, you know, be one of those like really Instagrammable yogis. Mm -hmm. But as I continued to practice the community that I was teaching in at the time, most of my students were much older. Um, so I was primarily working with folks who were between the ages of 50 and 70. And I started to see that like the yoga that I was practicing was really not what I was teaching. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, I started studying therapeutic yoga in that training. I was exposed to some absolutely brilliant thinkers. And, um, one of them in particular is a gentleman named Matthew Sanford and Matthew is paralyzed from essentially like the nipple area down. Mm -hmm. Um, and he teaches yoga. He is one of the best teachers I have ever practiced with. And he really started to open my eyes to what this practice can do, how it can mm-hmm. be a transformative practice wow. and change our relationship to ourselves and, and really enrich our inner world far beyond what it can do for our physical body. That mm-hmm. that's just kind of like a, a bonus. Like that's the yeah. cherry on top. My intention is to just teach yoga until I no longer exist and mm-hmm. to help people uncover their most essential self through this practice. I believe in my heart of hearts that therapeutic yoga can help people suffer less from, as my grandfather would say, whatever ails them. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, I feel like part of it was just like my own journey of seeing how I could use it to transform myself, seeing how it was transforming my students um, to kind of understand it as a healing modality, Mm -hmm. but also just like, as I've gotten older and I, as I've like had different things that have happened in my life where my suffering maybe has increased or decreased depending on what's going on. It really just has become even more so than like a profession for me or my job Mm -hmm. or, or whatnot. Like it really feels like a calling that this thing makes so much sense to me. Um, and it, it really just kind of transformed into this idea of being able to share what I know with people who are experiencing what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like that's a similar thing to what I see in cycle thinking. Like in my journey, I was so previously like so blocked off to a lot of like a spiritual practice or that like inner world type approach to healing. Like it just, I wasn't there and cycles thinking was like a, these very tangible, practical, physical support steps that then became this like 
relationship with my body and learning how to trust myself. I think about it in that same way where it's like, yes, you can have more energy. Your acne can go away. Like your cramps can improve so many benefits of actually supporting your body, but those are like the bonuses to repairing that relationship with yourself. I love people's different pathways too. It's really about that inner self ultimately. And that's where that healing and comes from. But I do want to ask you, so what about someone who's like in the depths of hell week, right? And they're like, okay, laying on the floor, breathing, stretching, like how is something that seems so simple? Like, how is that going to help what feels so big? I mean, in the broadest sense, a lot of times when we are suffering and we're like in the midst of pain, especially if it's like emotional or psychological Mm -hmm. pain, it tends to be that we are considering stuff that like exists outside of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's all this like external things, like it's a pressure from a work stress situation, or it's familial thing or a partnership thing. Like it's usually something that has, you know, that, that causes us pain because it's in relation to something else. Mm -hmm. And so much of what the yoga practice is, especially in the therapeutic sense is it's about trying to be more present to just what is what is kind of currently happening. And so a lot of times (laughs) laying on the floor is like a completely wonderful thing to do. (laughs) You know, like there's nothing wrong with laying on the floor, especially if you're, you know, feeling kind of supported, you can lay, you know, weights on yourself to help you feel more grounded, like even just like covering yourself up, covering your eyes and maybe your ears, creating a little bit of like sensory deprivation Mm -hmm. to help you kind of just notice like your heart is beating and your breath continues to flow. And even as your mind kind of tries to externalize and draw you out from the present moment, like there is a thread, which, you know, it's kind of our breath, the the life force energy that we call prana, it it is going to continue to move through you. I know for me personally, there have been more occasions than I would care to admit, but I will admit that I, if I could have just willed myself to death, if I could have just stopped my own existence Mm -hmm. from sheer force of will that I, I would have. And even though I have felt that way, a part of me has continued on. Like there has Mm -hmm. been this undercurrent of life that continues to pulse within me. And so I think it it is very simple, but trying to find that thread of connection and, and find that thing that is sustaining, you know, I like to think of it as a light that it continues to glow inside of us. Even when we may feel like we're shrouded in darkness, there usually is just the tiniest littlest flame that we can hopefully sit next to and let the storm around us, the storm that might be happening in our, in our mind, the one that may be rampaging through our body. If we can kind of let that storm go and, and, and know that it is only temporary, it's not going to last forever, but what is forever is this little flame, you know? So when we acknowledge each other with namaste, it's kind of like the light within me honors Mm -hmm. and acknowledges the light within you. And that, that light is really what I try to help people get reconnected to. So whether that's through laying on the floor, breathing practices mm-hmm. or meditation practices or chanting, um, or even some of the philosophies of yoga that I love to teach, um, it, it is about kind of remembering that essential self that on top of all of the layers of the human dimension, you know, all of the things mm-hmm. that we think we are, there is a deeper truth to who we are that isn't suffering. 
And it's not like it's a super easy place to reach because if we could all go there very easily, <laughs> the world would be different. Yeah, but for sure. It's a noble effort. And I think a sacred effort to, to try to get there and to be reminded that it, it is there and it is possible. Yeah. I think it's so important. What you're saying too, is like not trying to find the will within yourself or the strength, like your own strength and creating that it's not willing yourself through it. It's how to connect to that thing. That's bigger than all of us Mm -hmm. that connects all of us. Yeah. And so like in the yoga classes that I teach, I do, you know, try to teach things that are very practical for like acute management, Mm -hmm. but I also want to go deep. I'm someone that likes to go there. So I, I don't want to just teach like pacifying things. Mm-hmm. I also want people to hopefully develop practices, rituals, routines, whatever we may call them that helps them to transform, you know, to transform their relationship to themselves, whether that may be their self-talk, maybe it's a habit that's not serving them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's a, a lifestyle change, a, a relationship or a career that's not serving them. You know, I want to look at the the different layers of kind of what makes them them mm-hmm. and and help them be more harmonious and and live in a, a more optimal way to just overall reduce suffering. Like I I don't want to suffer and I don't want, you know, my fellow humans to suffer. I don't Yeah. Um that's so beautiful. I guess my last question for you is, you know, how do you kind of balance that then of like sort of acknowledging the symptoms of PMDD, acknowledging the experience, but not being that experience or being PMDD and that sort of identity piece. Yeah. So that's definitely a challenge. A lot of people do tend to identify with, but I feel like that is a particularly risky thing when you have PMDD, because so many people just see like, I have two good weeks and two bad weeks, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I have a good me and I have a bad me. And I really do try to say like, no, you are an integrated whole. Like you may have a shadow self, but you yourself, like you are whole, complete and perfect as you are. Mm -hmm. You may not believe me and that's okay, but that's one of the beliefs that we're going to work on Mm -hmm. coming to or toward at least. Um, And so I think, you know, in my journey, having other people who understood what PMDD is and having a kind of like base support of community to share experiences and be like, okay, this is PMDD. These are, these are my PMDD Mm -hmm. symptoms. And this is me. I may be symptomatic and that can be true, but like being tired all the time is not how I identify. Mm -hmm. So I do try to encourage people and I try to be very careful in my own language, what follows I am. I try to differentiate that I have PMDD. PMDD is not who I am. You know, I have symptoms, but those symptoms are not like my characteristics and qualities. So it's a fine line. And I, I feel like it's one that we kind of always have to, to work on negotiating. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you're saying there too, of like finding the language that works for you to help separate it from yourself. Cause I I mentioned at the beginning, that's one thing that I had to get to of like, now it's PMD flares. Like Mm -hmm. it seems more like, okay, it's a thing that's happening and it's not me. I really love what you're doing, meeting people in every step of that, right? Cause there are like these very physical symptoms and there's the immediate need or the thing that's loudest and how to approach that while also like working on that little voice as well and piecing those together. So I think that's really 
Awesome. So if there are people who are really resonating with this and, you know, want that community, want that physical practice, how can they get connected with you? Thank you. So um, I'm yoga for PMDD on, I think every form of social media. I don't have Twitter, but I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And I have a Patreon community that is where I teach group classes. And I also work with folks one-on-one. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, for being here, for advocating for the PMD community like you do. And then for anyone listening, if you don't already follow her, I'm going to link to everything she's mentioned in the show notes. And if you ever just need to feel seen, you can binge her reels. They're they're the best. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I, I sincerely appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on to discuss this. Thank you for your work. And I'm just really, really honored. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more great episodes like this one, subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, or wherever you listen, and be sure to share with someone who could also benefit from this information. And if you want to learn more about how I can help you stop normalizing your symptoms and start optimizing your experience, head to briannaviegas.com or find me on Instagram at briannaviegascoaching.com.